This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and I'm Michaela Estry. With me today is Paul Mango, former Deputy Chief of Human and Health Services under the Trump administration and author of Warp Speed, Inside the Operation That Beat COVID, The Critics, and The Odds. Hi, Mr. Mango. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kayla. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Would you mind just giving a brief overview about yourself to our audience? Yes, absolutely. Well, I've I've been blessed by this country. Um, I uh, grew up in upstate New York, and uh, as an 18-year-old, I went off to the United States Military Academy at West Point, a real privilege to serve the country in uniform. I graduated and served in the 82nd Airborne Division for a couple years and also spent a couple years over in Europe with the Army. And then I... Uh, returned and uh, attended the Harvard Business School and got my MBA. And then I worked for a long time for a great firm called McKinsey and Company. Uh, it's a professional advisory firm. And then uh, after I left, I joined the federal government under, in the Trump administration as the chief of staff for the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And then, as you mentioned, the deputy chief of staff for policy up at the Department of Health and Human Services. And uh, it's uh, really been a, a great journey. I have five daughters, by the way, all very successful young ladies and a great wife, uh, 40 years. So, again, I'm a blessed, uh, a very blessed individual. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, that's so cool. I know you just wrote a book uh, called Warp Speed, Inside the Operation That Beat COVID, The Critics, and The Odds. Would you mind sharing just a brief summary of what that's about? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think the summary is it's a great American achievement. That's what the book is about. Mm. Um, it's not a political book. It is a book that describes uh, an extraordinary achievement, uh, the most successful biomedical achievement in history and the most successful public-private partnership in history. And just to put it in perspective, Kayla, the last best time for bringing a vaccine to market of this type was four and a half years hmm. and the operation warp speed team did it in 10 months so they cut 80 percent off of uh off of it and i talk about the role of the federal government in this and we don't want to mislead anyone the federal government's role was simple it enabled our great private sector to be successful we enabled the success our private sector uh, delivered that success and these are well-known companies. Uh, yeah, of course, everyone's heard of Pfizer and Johnson and & Johnson and Moderna, but right. it's also a company called McKesson mm-hmm. and a company, uh, it's FedEx and UPS, that flawlessly delivered all these vaccines and CVS and Walgreens and uh, uh, an IT and information technology company called Palantir. It was just a great achievement of all these companies coming together on behalf of the American people and delivering more safe and effective vaccines faster than any country in the world by far. So that's what the book's about. And there's a lot of lessons in there about leadership and crisis, about how to pull together a team very quickly, a high-performing team. And I think anyone who reads it will find it to be uplifting and, uh, as I say, kind of proud to be an American again. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, so you mentioned that previously it was it took four years to get a vaccine. How I, I know it probably is a lot more than you can actually share on here so quickly, but how did that process become so fast over those 10 months? 
Yeah, the essence of it was that um, drug development and pharmaceutical development and vaccine development is typically done in a series of steps. Mm-hmm. You use step one, and then if you're successful, you go to step two, and if you're successful, you go to step three. We had a great uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, who had spent 10 years in the pharmaceutical industry, and he knew that that process was not going to be sufficient Mm -hmm. to save the American people. So what we decided was what used to be done in series, step after step after step, we would do in parallel. So we started manufacturing vaccines long before they were done with their clinical trials and long before the Food and Drug Administration Mm -hmm. gave any approval to use them Mm -hmm. with the understanding that we might not have been successful and we might have to throw away a bunch of vaccines and that costs some money, but that if we had one successful one, uh, it would be more than worth it. And that's what happened. We wound up with three successful vaccines and we had millions and millions of doses available the day that the FDA granted them authorization for distribution. Wow, that's amazing. So because you yeah. kind of re rearranged that process in a way, but you didn't actually end up skipping anything in the vac- vaccination development process, correct? Correct. And I think for the listeners, it, it was actually a more rigorous process than prior vaccine approval. So I'll just give you two examples. One is um, a typical vaccine clinical trial, phase three, which is the last trial in humans. Mm-hmm. Is, has 20,000 enrollees, 20,000 persons in it. The minimum standard for the Operation Warp Speed vaccines was 30,000 enrollees, so another mm-hmm. 50% more. And then typically in a vaccine clinical trial, any adverse reaction occurs within 42 days of the time you get vaccinated, mm-hmm. and the FDA extended it for Operation Warp Speed to 60 days. So there were more persons going through the trial and a longer interval to evaluate whether there were going to be adverse reactions. And these turned out to be some of the safest and most effective vaccines ever developed. Uh, So um, for anyone who's concerned about did we lower standards in in exchange for speed, the answer is no, we did not. Okay. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, so were you also, are you still involved in this process with the boosters and all of that? Or are, are you, since the Trump administration's no longer, Trump, President Trump is no longer president, are you involved in this at all? Or have you done something different? Yeah, no, well, um, as an appointee, as a presidential appointee, I got kicked out at noon on January 20th, <laughs> a year ago, right. um, with all of the other appointees. So, unfortunately, I did not get to stay, um, but uh, obviously we felt very good because on the day we left, there were 1.5 million Americans vaccinated, according Mm. to the CDC. So we felt that we left uh, the subsequent administration a really good, um, you know, kind of a really good start. Uh, What am I doing? I'm, uh, you know, I was a a healthcare executive. I, I mentioned I was with McKinsey and Company for 25 years, so... I got right back into healthcare. I'm serving on a number of boards for private healthcare companies. Obviously, I'm writing the book, yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm also doing some consulting. So, uh, very busy, and again, very blessed to be uh, active back in the healthcare uh, sector. 
Wow, awesome. All right, I'm going to ask a follow-up question really in a, just a second, but for our audience, this is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Michaela Estreeth, and I'm talking with Paul Mango, former Deputy Chief of Human and Health Services and the author of Warp Speed, Inside the Operation That Beat COVID, The Critics, and The Odds. So we've talked with Mr. Mango briefly about the process and how fast the uh, process for developing this vaccine was. It was originally four years, but now it was over 10 months and just the the sheer work and progress that we made. Um, you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Mr. Mango, that you left a lot for this administration, Biden's administration, to pick up. Um, how do you think they're doing with what you handed them? Well, it's a great question, and I, I have to start by saying I empathize with the team that's in place right now. This is a very difficult task mm-hmm. they have that anyone would have, um, and I think they've actually done a spectacular job of continuing to distribute and administer the vaccines. We're up to close to a half a billion mm-hmm. vaccines that have been distributed and uh, administered. So I have to give them a lot of credit for that. But one aspect of warp speed that they haven't done as well on that we were hoping they would is with therapeutics. So mm-hmm. therapeutics, so medicines to treat COVID. Mm-hmm. And we had a very strong program with similar principles, as I mentioned, do things in parallel rather than series. And they seem to have dropped uh, the emphasis on that when they took over and focused entirely on vaccines and only to realize that, you know, what we need medicines too. And I think, Kayla, it's very important for the listeners to understand that the the objective of the vaccines were never, ever to prevent infection. Mm. The objective of the vaccines were to prevent serious illness, hospitalization, and death. Mm -hmm. So these variants where people are still, you know, they've been vaccinated and and they still get infected, that doesn't mean the vaccines aren't working. The vaccines are working spectacularly well because... Um, 98, over 98% of the Americans who have died of COVID have been unvaccinated. Hmm. So um, anyway, the point is, I think the Biden folks, uh, I want to give them credit for continuing to distribute the vaccines. They've been a little bit myopic, though, in their strategy to deal with COVID, not only with medicine, but with diagnostics, as you know, and the snafu recently with uh, Omicron and not having any tests available for people to get tested. So right. we'll have to uh, do a little bit better on those who count hmm. as they go forward. Hmm. So turning to the health side just a little bit for you to talk on, um, do you think this COVID vaccine or now the booster, will that become more like the annual flu shot that we have in our culture today? Or do you think it'll be a few year thing and then we'll be able to kind of have natural immunity or be able to move on? Yeah, I, you know, I was. I think it's going to be a combination, and I'm not. I don't want to present myself as a scientist. Yeah. But I was just with Doctor. I was just with Doctor Robert Redfield. I did a podcast with Vice President Pence about an hour ago, hmm. and um, Doctor Redfield talked about this a bit. And he does believe, as the former head of the CDC, he does believe we'll have to have uh, boosters hmm. uh, every year, similar to the flu. But but that it'll become much less virulent, and that will be. You know, it'll be like the flu, um, less serious uh, symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, before I end the show, is there anything else you'd like to share? 
no, I just want to say thanks for uh, all you're doing at Hillsdale. Um, it's a great institution. I've followed it. I think it's uh, really instills the right set of values in the students out there. Um, I hope they'll um, I hope they'll buy the book. I have to be promotional here for a second. They <laughs> yeah, should go on course. Amazon and order it now. And I hope they enjoy a story about a great American achievement. Awesome. Thank you. Our guest has been Paul Mango, former Deputy Chief of Human and Health Services under the Trump administration and author of Warp Speed, inside the operation that beat COVID, the critics, and the odd. And I'm Michaela Estruth on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.